0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, for Wednesday, February 19th. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or you can check out my personal account at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined to do so, Hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very, very best to answer them here on the show. And today's show, well, we're continuing off my little diatribe, little rant yesterday about Manny Machado and the MLB Network's Top 100, but we're talking about all of the Padres. We're talking about the rankings of any of the other Padres that made it onto that list. And there's a couple of them that I think should be higher, or one in particular that wasn't even on the list. So we're going to talk about that, but first... We're going to talk about some news that came out yesterday, actually. And that's, you see, I've been saying since the beginning of this podcast that I've been expecting AJ Peller to make another significant move before opening day. And now we get this story about Will Myers. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. This is exactly, I don't mean to sound like Cat Williams, but this is exactly what I've been waiting for. Reading from the San Diego Tribune, from Mr. Kevin Ace, On the front burner of Preller's extended hot stove cooking is an enduring attempt to move Will Myers. Sources said in the past two days that talks between the Padres and Boston Red Sox are ongoing, and a deal seems contingent on the Red Sox taking on around half of the 61 million owed Myers over the next three years. The Red Sox are interested in pitcher Kyle Quantrill, as well as highly regarded prospects Luis Campisano and Gabriel Areas though the Padres are unlikely to part with all three and other minor leaguers could be in the mix. Quantrill is considered a key component of the Red Sox's interest. It is unclear who the Padres would get in return from Boston, and the main purpose of the trade is characterized by sources as attaining the salary flexibility moving Myers would create. The Padres have long been willing to eat about half of Myers's money, though they did ask the Red Sox to take on more in talks regarding Mookie Betts due to the size of Betts's 2020 salary, which was $27 million. Now, of course speaking now as myself, Betts was ended up trading, and a lot of Padres fans were a little saddened by that, because we wanted him. But let me tell you, everybody, here's the thing with Will Myers. When you look at his numbers from afar, he's actually, in terms of just the the basic numbers, he's had some decent stuff before. But after the trades to acquire Tommy Pham and Trent Grisham, Will Myers's playing time is probably only going to go down, especially when you take into account and I've mentioned this before that he's a pretty atrocious defensive player, especially in the outfield. Now, of course, I'm hoping that the Padres get a little bit more than just cap flexibility. He signed a 6-year, $83 million contract and it ends in 2022, and you don't want to be paying that much money for a bench player. And definitely for sure not one as, you know, lowly and kind of I don't want to say washed, but washed as Will Myers. If he ever was good in the first place, is another debate entirely. Now, what I am wondering is, aside from just cap flexibility, is it worth doing all this? Is it worth getting rid of guys like Quancho for this? Who, granted, struggled a bit in some of his performances of late last year, but he's still got that prospect, you know, he's still seen as a viable guy in the organization. Well, my suggestion would be, just looking at the Boston roster, is what if we could get somebody like... In return, you know, we're, we're taking, you guys are going to take half of Myers' salary, which is fine. But what about someone like Jackie Bradley Jr.? I'm hesitant to believe that the Red Sox would part with him. And it's not like he's the best offensive player, but at times he's a defensive wunderkind, let me tell you, Jackie Bradley Jr. I do think the Boston fans tend to overrate him just a tad bit every time he makes a highlight play catch, but it is true. Jackie Bradley Jr. is awesome. And having him in center field, would completely reshape the outfield and finally give us that steady rock that we need. Sure he won't contribute like I said on the offensive side of things, but he's going to make us a great defensive team. Tommy Pham, Jackie Bradley Jr., Trent Grisham, that's as solid as you get. Even if there aren't any even if there isn't that superstar power behind it that you would have gotten in a trade for like Mookie Betts. And also on the Boston side of things, Will Myers has had some moments before. He's not too old. This is going to be his age He's going to be 29 this year. And in 2016 and 2017, this is a guy who hit 259 with a 330 on base. And both years, in 2016, he had 28 home runs and 28 steals. And in 2017, he had 30 home runs and 20 steals in a little bit less of games played. Now, of course, those may sound like fantasy numbers, which they are. I mean, granted, like I said, he's not the best defensive player in the world, and his offense can be a little bit overrated for the sake of just having some counting stats to look at. I think a lot of people keep Myers in their head because he's burst onto the scene. He was such an exciting player, and he might be also well-known for being a Yankee killer early on in his career, and was Rookie of the Year back in 2013. But of course, his career just seems to not have panned out the way that we would have liked. He strikes out too much, grounds into just double plays when you don't need him to, and you just, you're just you always looking for him to give you that big hit, but more often than not, he ends up looking lost at the plate. Now speaking of fantasy, let's do our fantasy minute of the day, brought to you by Lee Kamish. And today, we're talking not Fernando Tatis, not Donelson Lamette, not any of the obvious guys. We're talking Garrett Richards. I know, I know, this may sound like a deep desperation cut in every sense of the word, but this is a guy who, at one point, was in the top 15-20 to range in terms of potential starting pitchers in fantasy. You can get him for bargain bin prices now. ESPN currently has him as starting pitcher 88, and Yahoo has him as starting pitching 85. He's got potential for strikeouts, and the short time he played last year, despite coming off an injury, his velocity didn't take much of a dip, which is a good sign and really bodes well. Why draft a guy who might end up at starting pitcher 80 or 50 when you could draft a guy at, at such a late round who might give you some value? Now granted, the last time he was really great was around his 2015 season when he actually stayed healthy. That's the big knock against Garrett Richards. He can't stay healthy. But that's the thing. When he does stay healthy, he's a lot more valuable than starting pitcher 88. If he can just finish at the the top 30 range or even top 40 range, you're going to get him for bargain bin prices. So I recommend to all fantasy managers to put him on your bench towards the latter ends of your draft. Keep him stashed there for a little bit. If things don't shake out, you can always drop him and pick somebody else up. But it's definitely good to at least have him at the beginning if he starts off really hot. And I'm all in on believing the whole change of scenery bit. Especially considering that Petco is a little bit more of a pitcher's park. And that's your Fantasy Minute brought to you by Lee Kamish for Wednesday, February 19th. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less or the makes everything into a competition person. We all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay a foundation for your new league. It's as easy as signing up with your preferences. You get matched and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code LOCKEDON in the Referred by section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leekamish.com. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just got done breaking down the recent ish news of the Will Myers um, negotiations that are currently going on between the Padres and the Boston Red Sox. But now we're talking the main event of this year' podcast. We're going back to the whole MLB Top 100 list. Because yesterday, and if you guys can go check out that episode, I talked about how Manny Machado is being disrespected. Not only by just people in the league, but by this MLB Top 100 list. I don't understand, really, how you can go from Top 14 to 59 over the course of one pretty average season offensively. Or, strike that. It wasn't average. It was slightly above average. You know, the guy still hit 30 home runs. But now, I want to talk about the rest of the list. And the rest of the Padres that made or didn't make the list. First, Fernando Tatis Jr., who's at number 32. Someone actually reached out to me at one point and asked, do you think that he's being underrated, thinking he might be a top 20 caliber talent? I agree, but believe it or not, and I did talk about this on the Fantasy Minute for Monday, but I do think that 32 is a fair ranking. Remember, he still hasn't played too much time, and I don't think that he deserves to be ahead of guys like Clay Torres, who's played like two entire seasons, and if you just talk about postseason play, which I think should be taken into account, especially for a list like this, Gleyber Torres has been pretty solid. I actually would argue that Javier Baez is slightly overrated, but that's a whole nother thing. The next player on on the list that I want to talk about is Kirby Yates, who's sitting at number 73. Is that fair? Well, I think so, but I think he's a little bit more valuable than people might be giving him credit for. I mean, I know this this list is going to be a little bit more slanted towards giving value to starting pitchers, which it should, but still, the bullpen's important. And I'm pretty sure Kirby Yates was, with the exception of Josh Hader, Probably the best reliever in all of baseball last year. And, justifiably so, Josh Hader is actually one spot behind Kirby Yates, which I was a little surprised by, but still. So yeah, I think that maybe you could move up Kirby Yates just a little bit. He is that good, but it's not too much of a complaint. So aside from Machado, there's not much for me to complain about here. I think Kirby Yates is is fairly well suited, and I think that him and, and Josh Hader should move up just a little bit. But here's one that's on there that I actually disagree with a little bit. Tommy Pham. He's number 68 on the list. And here's the thing, should he be higher? I think so. Let me, let me read you guys some numbers. Over the past three years, FAM's 13.6 Fangraphs calculated war is 7th among all outfielders, slightly ahead of Bryce Harper's 12.8 mark. FAM doesn't post gaudy homer totals, but he puts up consistently good at-bats. Among all qualified hitters in that three-year spam, FAM's 381 on on-base percentage ranks 9th in baseball. That's right, so in some ways, you could say he's a top-10 outfielder in the league. And that's the thing. I don't think number 68 is really totally justifying that. I'd rather have him over some certain guys on this list. I don't want to name names in particular. I, I just think that I think he could be a little bit higher. I got that excerpt, by the way, from MLB.com about the all underrated team. And that's where I kind of spawned my talking of Tommy Fam here. And that's where, where I was getting it from. And I actually recommend go checking that out. It's a really, really smart piece by Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com. And he's never made an all-star team before, which is crazy. I mean, Tommy Pham, I, I cannot be higher on a new acquisition. I'd say that with the exception of guys like, say, Garrett Cole and maybe Anthony Rendon, I think Tommy Pham is really being overlooked as one of the, I'm not going to call it a steal, but one of the better gets of the offseason. He's giving me, you know, he's giving me vibes, and this might be a little bit of a stretch. One of my favorite players in all of baseball, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence is one of those low-key at least when he was in his prime, and he's he's still you know solid. He had a good year with the Rangers last year, and now he's back with the Giants, which is which is a great uh, kind of coming home story for him. Hunter Pence for years was secretly you know people looked at him. He was he had a goofy swing, and people knew he was solid and he had some good moments, but they didn't realize how good he was. And how good he was was his WAR, his OPS, his ability to just get on base, the amount of runs he had, his just overall consistency. He was up there in like the top six or seven outfielders in the entire game in a lot of ways. And nobody really talked about it. They knew Tommy Fam is one of those guys that everybody kind of accepts as being good, but they don't realize exactly how good he is. And I think MLB Network is underrating him just a little bit. But now let's get into the, the main event, ladies and gentlemen. The main question. And that's about the sheriff, Christopher Joseph Paddock, who was not on the list at all. Last year he finished with a 3.33 ERA and a 0.98 WHIP, and the WHIP was actually one of the lowest histories among starters in San Diego Padres franchise history. Even though he really only has two main pitches, teams didn't get particularly better at facing him when you check out the numbers on the first time they faced him versus the third time. The numbers still shake out. That means that he wasn't kind of a one-hit wonder or anything like that. And I was actually reading a story from the Seattle Times the other day, and it was it was written by Jack Magruder, and basically he wrote about how Chris Paddock is he's he's very interesting. First of all, he's apparently been trying to learn from from Garrett Richards, like a like to add another pitch to his repertoire, which is really exciting stuff. But I don't want to you know give too much credence to stories like that. These type of stories always you always get those stories in the papers and just in the media related things where they talk about like oh they're in their best shape yet they're adding a new pitch stuff like that. You can't always you have to take that with a grain of salt. You don't necessarily know what that means. And I was reading the piece, and it talked about how Chris Paddock has a lion tattoo that's really important to him. Seriously. It, it's, it's amazing stuff. And if that doesn't make me like the Sheriff more, I don't know what will. So check out the little brief little kind of, kind of quotes from Chris Paddock here. And it just it makes you want to go run a mile, man. It gets you excited. Now, I do think Paddock should be on the list. I'm not saying he should be a top 15 type of pitcher because, granted – He's probably only going to pitch around 150, 160 innings maybe this year. Had like 140 last year. So it is true, it is a small sample size. And it is true that he does rely on basically two pitches. But I still think he should be on the list. I mean, come on. If Fernando Tatis, who was injured and didn't play a lot of the year, granted, much more high impact of a player, I think he can be on the list. I think he could be ahead of guys like Jock Peterson, for example, who I don't think is all that good. I think he had his kind of first decent season. And Maybe he should be around the range of someone like Aaron Nola, who basically is just, aside from having an awesome name, that's a little unfair, Aaron Nola's pretty good, but he was a little shaky last year. Why not put Chris Paddock on there? He has the potential of being the ace starter of the Padres, and one of the aces in the entire league, so I really disagree that he wasn't on the list at all. And if any of the people are saying I'm sounding like a homer, and that every other fan base is going to get on me, and they're saying oh, well, you know, it's easy for you to say, you're biased, you're doing the Padres podcast, all these things, and they're going to start giving me names of other players who deserve to be on there. And to them, they're going to keep coming, but you know what? I'm ready for all of you. You'll never stop at one. I'll take you all along. But in general, overall, I thought that the MLB Top 100 list was pretty solid, despite my gripes with it with Tommy Pham being a little bit lower and... Manny Machado being way lower than they deserve to be after just one kind of shaky season versus some other guys who are on there basically because of one good season, like you know Pete Alonzo, who's great, who's great, but I'm just saying I don't think it's worth demoting Manny Machado by that much when you take into account how good of a defensive player he is. So that's it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Still making that joke. Remember to subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast app. I almost said SoundCloud there. I keep saying that on every one of my outros. Spotify, whatever, wherever you get your podcast, Himalaya, subscribe. Do all your things. That's it. Have some cool episodes coming up to, to end the week with some guests for this Thursday and Friday. So look forward to those. I don't want to spoil them. But one may or may not have to do with the Dodgers. And one may or may not have to do with the Astros and kind of the league-wide response to the whole cheating scandal. That's all I'm going to say for now. I really think you guys are going to enjoy these next two podcasts. So until next time, my Friar faithful homies, take care. You've been listening to the Lockdown Padres podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.